0: Welcome to another episode of Kiss My Mic. Our theme this month is Director's Cut to honor the amazing work of Philippine ex filmmakers. And today, I am very excited to be joined by Mr. Bobby Rubio. Hi Bobby. Hey, how's
1: it going, Mike? Good. Thank you
0: for having me. Thanks so much. It's my honor to have you. So, Bobby is the writer and director of the animated short film Float from Pixar, which is the first ever animated film from Pixar that's based on Filipino characters. So I'll let you maybe do a little bit more introduction, Bobby, if that's okay. But first of all, congratulations on the success of Float. It's such a big deal to the Filipino community. It's the first ever animated film from Pixar with Filipino characters. So you know, it's such an honor to have you on this podcast. So go ahead, Bobby.
1: Oh, thank you, Mike. Um, yeah, it is the very first Filipino-American characters, lead characters in a Pixar film. And it, that wouldn't have happened if Pixar didn't encourage me to do so. Because originally the characters were going to be white. Because when I first initially drew this idea, it was going to be a comic book. And I drew, this was like eight or ten years ago. I drew this cover, and on the cover was a white man and his son that was floating. And I did this because it was my way to respond to my uh, son's autism diagnosis. My son at two and a half years old, my son Alex was um, diagnosed with autism, and I didn't know how to handle it. So my wife says, you're a storyteller, why don't you create a story and tell your um, your position about it. So I did that. I did a comic cover and the cover was called Alex. The comic was going to be called Alex after my son. But then um, I was too, so much into my depression and caught up in the emotion that I had to put it aside. And then um, like I said, that was probably 10 years ago. And then 4 years ago I thought decided to a short. And so I did storyboards for it and I had shopped that around to my friends to check out if they liked the story. They loved it and they were saying you should show this to Lindsay Collins. She is the producer of the Spark Shorts program. And I did and Lindsay thought it was a perfect candidate for the Spark Shorts program. And so it went in and we made the film. And I'd like to also point out that it was great that it was Jillian Liebert. She was a story manager of the department. She was the one that actually told me, you should change the characters from white to Filipino. And because she pulled me aside and she was like, what's up, Bobby? Why are these characters white? And I said, because that's what I thought you guys wanted. That's what I am so used to. I am not used to seeing Filipino lead characters. And I was like, I don't know if anybody wants to see that. I really said that. And she was like, but this is your story. And I was like, "Uh," I wasn't convinced yet. And what it took was uh, Jillian said, how's your son Alex going to feel when he looks up on the screen and the characters are white and that's your story and so that changed my whole perspective because it's not about me anymore it was about my son and whether he was worth I didn't worthy of it i didn't want him to feel that he wasn't i didn't want him to think that being a filipino that i was ashamed of it i wanted him to know that um, i am very proud and i do think we are worth it and i want children of people of color and people that are different to know that we are worth it and our stories need to be told and need to be on the screen. So I hope that it empowers people that always felt different and outcasted and that we have a say and we have a place in this world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the message of the story is just so powerful in just what you said, you know, being different, right, and accepting that difference. So I guess, you know, you covered a lot of interesting topics that I would definitely have questions on already. So that includes kind of the the origins, you know, the inspiration for the story, which, you know, is really very personal because it's about your life. It's about your son. But how did it get to a point where you're actually developing it? You know, you told me that, yeah, um, you took a break sometime in between because, of course, to deal with... Just grappling with autism. And we'll talk about that as well. You know, it's hard to find the place to really keep moving, right? If you're having those thoughts. But how did you really develop that story? What was the process like for you when you remember things are actually moving along?
1: I already knew there was going to be a father and son eight years ago. And I did little sketches of the father and son interacting. And I posted them on my social medias and people were like, what is this story? That is great. I love seeing these little vignettes of this father and son interacting. And and so I knew it was going to be about a father and son. And I guess in the six or eight year gap, I didn't touch it, but I was like drawing little vignettes here and there and thinking of the idea. And then I think what initially happened was I was looking at my son and I was looking at this story and it just kept creeping in the back of my mind. Like, you have to tell the story. You have to tell the story. Your son's going to be a man in a few years and you don't want to, you don't want that to slip away. You don't want that time to go like, oh, I should have done that. So I just picked up a pen and paper and I just started writing. This story, um, I did know I wanted it to be about difference. I did know I wanted it to be about a father coping with a son that was different and trying to accept him. And I did know that I didn't want to sugarcoat this. I wanted to show the father actually upset. And I wanted to show that that father actually going through this turmoil because I wanted it to be real. And the neat thing about the Spark Shorts program was at the time, we didn't know it was going to be even out. We thought it was just going to be in-house. And so I guess that kind of made it easier for me to go, let's just go all out. Let's just go for it. Because, hey, it's only people in, the in- inside going to see it. And so I didn't sugarcoat it. I went for it all the way. And I am grateful that Pixar allowed me to do that. And I'm grateful that Pixar didn't edit it. And that's also the beauty of the Spark Shorts program. We were kind of left on our own devices to do whatever we wanted. Uh, and And again, because I don't think we were ever thinking this was going to go out there. But luckily, we made some great products and great stories. So I think, you know, Disney and Pixar felt like they were great enough to be Out there on uh, Disney Plus.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the last time I checked, Disney Plus is not available in the Philippines yet. Do you know (laughs) if there's a plan from Pixar to, I guess, release it to other countries like the Philippines, which, you know, I'm sure will be so happy to celebrate this, you know, this important film to represent our culture?
1: Yeah. I mean I don't know that's not really up to me but I do know that uh it's on YouTube and that's where a lot of Filipinos have been able to see it. Uh uh it's on YouTube right now and it's at 60 million views and actually just hit a million likes. So 60 million views and 1 million likes and so and I know a bunch of that's got to be the Philippines. So, uh, but but people all around the world really because um, uh, sixty million—that's that's that's quite an accomplishment. I'm super happy and proud of that, and I'm proud of for my team. Uh, my uh, float team was wonderful and super talented, and um, I'm glad our work got shown to the Philippines because I've been waiting for it forever to hit the Philippines. And um, uh, yeah, although it's not officially on Disney plus uh, people in the Philippines can see it on YouTube right now. And the beauty about it in being on YouTube is you see the numbers and you see the interaction from viewers. They're telling you they liked it or not. And of course I also got people that didn't like it and that comes with the territory. That's, that's
0: totally fine. I mean, obviously, like, we're so proud of you, proud of the film, you know, to see that the scene where you have like the mug of the Philippine flag, I mean, I was watching. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, there you go. So I guess I was just curious. So what were some of the interesting comments that you've heard, you know, either from the Filipino community or even from others as well? Because the message is so universal, right? Accepting that difference in the father and son relationship. Um, The good ones I keep
1: getting is how it's resonated with them and how like some of them I've received some from people with uh, parents whose children have just been diagnosed and they were in a rough place and they were, and they saw float and they felt seen and that they weren't alone. I even got a, a message the other day and I liked it because it said this father saw it. And he was finally at peace after he saw that. And I that touched me because I know what that feels like. And to finally come to terms and be at peace with a diagnosis, um, that means the absolute world to me. I've also re- gotten received several notes from the gay community because they were also like, I've been told, why can't you be normal? I understand and I am grateful for them that, that there's also this story that they could latch on to, um, being different and at the end, accepting yourself for who you are and just be yourself. This short has touched a lot of lives. And and I am grateful for everybody who has reached out to me in a positive way.
0: That's wonderful. Yes, let's celebrate that. And you know, you're absolutely right the universality of the message people from marginalized groups whether it is lgbt people who are different really the the dynamics of that grappling with the situation and finding people to get to a point of acceptance and in this particular example for float the father and son relationship so how would you describe the the process that you know in this particular case for a father you know in your case really trying to grapple with it Would you say that is a typical kind of um, process that parents go through in terms of understanding what's different about their children and then trying to get to a point of understanding?
1: Well, we're in the Filipino, we're both Filipinos, and there's a lot of taboos. If you're not, if you're not like normal, (laughs) you're kind of shunned upon. There's a lot of taboos that I want to break and a lot of taboos that I don't agree with. I just think, as a parent, I know it was difficult for me because you hear all these taboos. You experience it. And then you go, why is it that way? We're all people. Mike, We all deserve love. And to have people judge you (laughs) like they're perfect, you know? And at the end of the day, I rather be with people who love than the people who judge. And I think that's also the message of the short too. At the end of the day, it's really about the father and son. And it's about the father accepting his son for who he truly is. And It didn't matter whether the crowd came in and was like, all right, everything's great. That's not the point. The point is about the father and his son and the father wholeheartedly accepting his son for who he is.
0: That's beautiful. I mean, that really is beautiful. You know, just to anybody who is longing for that acceptance from a loved one, whether it's a father or a mother, you know, I think that's just so powerful to really show the importance of that in building that relationship. So that's yeah, just so wonderful. Because if
1: you have your family, you could face anything.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: It doesn't matter what they think.
0: Because yeah, that's the foundation. And you know there's so much more beyond that, right? Because that's your foundation. It makes you feel like like for me when I was watching it and when I was thinking about my own experience just growing up from a catholic family and accepting my sexual identity you know it was tough to go through that process of getting that acceptance and you know all sort of craziness can happen in between if that's not there but once we get to a level of acceptance that just was the beginning to much greater things so i think that's so powerful and so universal so i guess i do want to ask you a little bit more about the creative process for you Right. So, you know, you have a personal story, you know, about the key things that you want in your story, like the father and son relationship and the concept of uh, being different and and embracing and accepting that, you know, what was the creative process for you like? So, for instance, how did you come up with the idea of, you know, floating uh, as a way to differentiate? Right. So, yeah, I I was just curious about that. Yeah.
1: Floating came about. Because um, I wanted something visual to be different that made the child look different visually. Like, you get it once you see it visually. Uh, Floating kid, that's different from another kid. Originally, the idea was the dad was going through depression like me. And originally, in the short, I had the father sinking into the ground while the son was floating. And so we went through the story process. That was the original intent. The father would sink and the son would float. But what had happened when when I was pitching it to people, uh, they were like going, oh, so the father has superpowers too? So the father's different too? And that went against everything that I was trying to say. I was trying to say that the son was different and it's about the father who has to come and accept and if if the father was also different, then that's a different story. The floating came about because originally, the father represented depression, and the son represented uh, flying and freedom.
0: So I think the other thing you mentioned in the beginning. So it, you know, um, initially when you created the um, you know the original um, story, that you had characters that are based on white characters. Um, So it speaks a lot about, I guess, the representation in the entertainment industry. How common was that in the industry where writers, directors, you know, are, I guess, have to align with what's, what's sort of the norm in terms of, you know, creating stories based on white characters. And, you know, setting aside some of the, by, you know, the POC characters. I guess I'm just curious, what's the state of the industry?
1: Well, I can't speak on the, well, I guess I can speak on the industry, but um, I I will say this. I'm a kid uh, who grew up in America and I can count on one hand, how many Filipinos I've seen in my whole lifetime, you know? So, um, so, uh, I wasn't born in the Philippines. I didn't see Filipino television. So I, whenever I saw any type of person of color or um, uh, uh, like an Asian, like I remember watching kung fu movies, I mean kung fu theater every Sunday, and that's what I gravitated to because they were Asian. It's the first f- people of color I've seen. And actually the first Filipino i seen was Ernie Reyes on um, – the last dragon movie. I was probably eight or 10 by the time that happened. So you tend to think, oh, okay, well then I guess I will never see a Filipino character because you don't see it. You just don't. And so the industry seems like it's pushing for more diversity now. I am grateful that I'm in a position that I can possibly tell more stories and share our culture. And so 10, 20 years ago, no, that was not going to happen. So (laughs) things are changing. And I I think for the good, and I think we're going to get more diversity and more inclusion. And I know Pixar is definitely pushing for that. And I know, uh, I think the whole industry is pushing for that. So uh, it's a good thing.
0: No, absolutely. Some other films that were also part of the Spark Short um, program are also pushing for diversity and representation as well. Is there anything that you can maybe speak about in terms of the Spark Short as a whole, in terms of its vision and, you know, I guess how the the role it has played in terms of really pushing for, you know, diverse stories out there?
1: Yeah, I mean that's what is the point of the Spark Shorts program is to give uh, directors, storytellers that normally wouldn't have an opportunity to give them an opportunity to tell their stories. And I think we're uh, the Spark Shorts program has focused on uh, people of color uh, directors and and uh, women directors. So again, the marginalized um, uh, people that have been typically overlooked are getting a chance to tell their stories.
0: Yep. No, thank you. That's great. And then, so I guess the other thing is in the intro, we talked about Float being the first ever animated film to have Filipino characters. What does that mean to you?
1: It means the world to me. And it means that, you know, my children could look up on the screen and see somebody that looks like them. It means that future generations who see this short will feel empowered and feel that they are seen and that they can do this. Um, It makes me feel like I broke some kind of barrier that was there before. And now, you know, I feel like, I mean, the sky's the limit. There's, There's, we can do more and tell more stories. And then not just me, but other Filipino Americans and other Filipinos, Filipinics, creators, Pinais as well. Uh, you know, the world needs to hear our stories. And uh, I'm glad that float started it. So it, I am proud. I am happy. I am honored. Uh, all those things wrapped up into a
0: lot of love. Absolutely. No, that's good to see that there's a big push to really have those stories to be out as well. And it means the world to us as well, right? You know, because we're so proud of you. And it's just so great to see stories that are about us, you know, that represent us. So I think that's that's wonderful. So Bobby, just some other questions about, I guess, your background. So for those who may not be familiar with what a story artist does, could you maybe share some background or shed some light in terms of what the process looks like and what's involved in that role?
1: A story artist is like a um, comic book artist. I almost say that all the time because <laughs> we get the script uh, from the writer and and then whatever said, whatever's on the script, we draw it. So for instance, if on the script it says, Buddy and Buzz and Woody are walking down the street. I would then draw Buzz and Woody walking down the street. And then if it says Buzz and Woody, then see Forky and Bo Peep and say hello, then I would draw that. So I would go through the whole script, do all the drawings that would tell that story. And then uh, our editor would take those drawings and edit it together, add sound and uh, voice and dialogue. and, And that way the animators will know what to animate the job of the story artist is to pick graphically what can tell convey the story and have the right compositions and try to pace the drawing so there's some kind of emotion that you receive from seeing it it almost feels like we're directing because we're picking the shots We're we're doing but i mean uh so but we are the first line of 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 telling the story but behind this the writer of course first comes the writer then we draw that, but um, but we are in the pipeline. But we're in the first part of the process, and then eventually it goes into animation and lighting and 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 music and post production. So um, that's what a story artist is.
0: Thank you for that, Bobby. Because there could be a younger Filipino kid out there who will be li- who's listening, who might be inspired by seeing the Philippine flag and float you know, having Filipino characters who might venture into this path as well that you've taken. So... <laughs>
1: I hope so. I really do. I really hope so.
0: Yeah. I think that's really our goal, right? To make sure that there's continuity. There's a pipeline, you know, the the younger generation. And that's why it's great to have programs, um, you know, like the Spark Short, where the focus is really more to amplify voices, um, from the different marginalized groups. So thank you for explaining that, you know, the role of a story artist. But I guess another personal question in terms of your, you know, chosen path, how did you get interested in in this field, you know, the animation field or, uh, you know, the comic books, um, you know, versus other forms of media or the creative aspect?
1: Right. I, should, I guess I should have started by saying I uh, was born and raised in San Diego. My mom is from Manila, and my dad is from Ilocos Norte. And, and so uh, my dad was in the Navy, and my dad drew, actually. My dad's an, not a professional artist, but he was pretty decent. And my grandfather on my mother's side was an architect. So um, he was an architect in the Philippines. So uh, Emmanuel Alcid is, was his name. Um, and he, when I was younger, my grandfather showed me how to draw perspectives by, he had a little drafting table and I learned how to draw, uh, in perspective. I, I mean, I tried to, I, I didn't quite grasp it cause I was only like eight or 10 at the time, but growing up in San Diego, um, we have the comic con mm-hmm. comic convention every year. And, uh, I think maybe that influenced me that I, I, I love comics, mm-hmm. I've, I've loved them since I was a child. Uh, I collected comics and I drew uh, in sixth grade. Our uh, teacher allowed us to draw comics. And I actually drew a comic book character named the charger. And it was, it was after the San Diego charger football team. But the funny thing was, is that uh, I, I based the character off of my father um, I named him, I even named him Robert Rubio. That's my father's name. And my father's an electrician. So I created this superhero named the Charger. Uh, and, um, and the funny thing is, is, um, you know, my dad's Filipino. So I, um, I asked my dad how tall he was. And he was like, I'm five, three and not five, three or five, five. And I was like, "Awesome! My superhero is going to be five five because I thought that was tall at the time." <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I was like, "All right, my this guy is going to be five And so um, the cool thing is, is that was the very first Filipino American superhero I ever created, and it's because in sixth grade, when you're a kid, you're the world is yours. You're not already. No one's telling you no. And I'm a, like Filipino superhero.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we need that. Yeah, we definitely need uh, more superheroes. And I'm trying to think if there's one that's five five actually or shorter. <laughs> Probably Wolverine. Wolverine's
1: pretty short. So I think in, in the comics, in the movies, in the movies he's tall, but in the comics he's short.
0: So let's say the um, this is more like a fun question. So, you know, Float was a short film. Was there ever thought or maybe just a dream to turn it into a full length or even, you know, adaptation into other forms?
1: I intended it to be a series uh, because obviously the comic, it was intended to be a series and it's set up. It's obviously set up to do more, but that's not really up to me. It's up to Pixar and Disney if they want that.
0: So I guess as you were pursuing that path, it sounds like you were really, you knew what you want, right? And there's family support as well. Uh, I mean, that's great. That's fascinating because sometimes it's hard to really know what you want. You know, that's one thing. And then the other thing is it's also hard to get the family support especially from a Filipino background and especially for people who are pursuing creatives. So can you share anything about it? I will say
1: this. Yeah, coming from a Filipino background, I did have some pushback um, from people like, uh, you're going to starve. Let's be truthful here. I wasn't great in the beginning. I was just starting and I I struggled. I don't want people to think that I just got here and now right and everything fully formed. No, there was a, A lot of struggle. It's funny, you tend to think that you're the best, and you might be the best when you're a kid. But once you get into college, you realize there's a bunch of guys who were the best of their little towns. And then we get together, and you're like, oh, the talent pool has just even gotten bigger. And the same happens when you get to Disney and you get to Pixar. Like, you're like, whoa, there is so much talent here. But starting from the beginning i want to say it was my mother that was very encouraging because she knew which was strange because most mothers rather you do something like be a lawyer or or a, a nurse or a electrician, or not an electrician but a engineer i mean so i mean that's what we usually get from filipino moms and filipino parents is like yeah you got to do that stuff um they tell you not to focus on the creative stuff. But yeah, my mom was very encouraging. Um, And uh, the great thing is when I was growing up, a lot of my teachers would say, well, Bobby's got talent and it's actually, it's better than typical. So you really should encourage that. And, And my mother let me go to every now and then there would be like art classes that I would be pulled into. And I want to say thank you to San Diego teachers and for the programs that I went to, uh, because that only enhanced my creativity and my um, my talents. Um, I even I even won when I was a little in high school. I won like a, a newspaper award for San, in San Diego, and like um, that's in high school, so. Uh, it just, you know, you get encouragement continually as you go up. And of, of course I got knocked down several times. I didn't make it into Cal arts. The first time I went to, I didn't make it into, uh, Pixar. The first time I got it. went for it. I didn't get the jobs that I wanted. Art jobs. I didn't become a Marvel comic artist right out of high school. Um, you know, there's a lot of hard work. Um, so I don't want people to think, oh, okay, I just, will just go and do it. And I'm going to work at Pixar.
0: That's a good message because it, you know, even with your story, all the setbacks, right? I mean, it's, it's powerful to hear that it's not easy. So there's challenges ahead and you just keep, keep on going and keep developing your skills. So I guess one question is, and you have a lot of projects under your belt too, you know, with Pixar, You've worked on uh, as a story artist on Cars 2, Monsters University, incredible. So there's a lot of projects along the way that I would think that really helped you develop your skills as well. But how would you approach that kind of skill development aspect? So let's say there's a parent out there who has a kid and the kid has potential. You know, how would the parent encouraged the kid to really develop his skills and what would the kid need to do to really enhance those talent or skills?
1: Okay, depends on your budget. If you have money, then invest in a computer and get the programs out there. But that's not necessary because I didn't have that. All you need is a pen and a paper. paper, paper and crayons, paper and pencils. You can write a comic book. You can make a cartoon, a comic strip. That's what I started off. I I, I loved uh, Calvin and Hobbes when I was little. It, all it is is three panels, and all it is is a, a two characters, or usually Calvin and talking to Hobbes. But there's a story there, you know, and you can tell a story with just three panels, and then you can move up to comic books. You could. Do 22 pages of creating a character, telling a story, drawing the background, learning how to craft a story by making a comic book, learning how to design characters by creating a comic book. That is probably the cheapest budget way, and any kid can do that. As long as they got a paper and pen, they can do that. But if you have more money, then yeah. Uh, Get the, get the, the, all the computer programs, uh, go uh, look up all your favorite artists on Instagram, try to get information from them, or at least listen to podcasts like this and see how, where they went. I, for instance, went to CalArts, um, but also when I was little, I picked up this book, How to Draw the Marvel Way, and that was huge. Uh, um because then you see what stan lee and um and the marvel comic artists did to tell a story there's that's a basic foundation that you could work on as a kid and and i did so and look where that got me so you could start there
0: that's a good advice yeah absolutely so bobby do you have any role models i guess growing up like who are in the industry like other comic book artists as well.
1: When I was little, my favorite comic artist was George Perez. I thought he was Filipino because he drew the I thought, you know, all of us have Spanish surnames. Most of us, or a lot of us have Spanish surnames. And uh because my favorite comic was The New Teen Titans. But what I found out was George Perez was not Filipino, but his anchor on the New Teen Titans, Romeo Thang Ha, huh, is Filipino. <laughs> and so Yeah, so I guess you would have to list him, Romeo Tang Ha. Um, Also, when I was growing up and starting to learn about animation more, uh, my idols then was like Ruben Aquino. He's the animator. He's Japanese Filipino. He animated uh, as Disney animator. And he animated on um, uh, Simba, In Lion King, he animated on um, Ursula in The Little Mermaid. Uh, And I was like, wow, you're the animator? Right. He's Filipino. Yeah, so um, I met him when I was an intern at Disney. And like he was one of the guys I looked up to. And then after that... um, Storyboard wise there's Ronnie Del Carmen uh he is a story artist and director uh at Pixar and he I uh I looked up to him and I was uh it's been an honor to work with him on on Up, Inside Out and so yeah, I mean there's definitely Filipino uh and Filipinas in this industry for kids to look up to and um but uh, yeah i mean wills Pertaccio, yeah x-men artist, yes
0: that's amazing to know yeah i mean like how big is that network and how active is everyone in terms of keeping that community
1: i wish we always had a barbecue I wish we had a Filipino barbecue. We all hung out, but that doesn't happen. But, you know, every now and then we go online and talk to each other or we'll be on panels together. But I would love for it to be more frequent. But, uh, yeah, the net, the great thing with the the Internet is that we're not – we're only an email away. It's not – like you and I are converse, having this conversation and it it's oceans apart. And so normally, this wouldn't happen, but it's happening today.
0: first of all, I'm really thankful um for your time. I know you're busy, and you know you have so much going on and so yeah, I really appreciate that uh that you've graced us with your presence in this podcast and yeah, I think we talked so much about your project float, your background, you know, your family. So maybe if I may ask, how's Alex doing nowadays?
1: He's good he's in actually in the zoom class right now he's in uh taking uh he's in middle school and uh yeah, he's doing good. thanks for asking. what was his reaction to the movie? Oh when Alex saw it, he was twelve, so I think like a typical uh twelve year old he was just like not really impressed with what his dad does. he's just like that's eh, that's good dad yeah. Although since it's gotten so many hits on YouTube, apparently that's more important. It's like wow, now he's impressed. It took
0: sixty million views on YouTube <laughs> yeah, so I guess within the autism spectrum, you know, I would imagine that this is really making such a huge impact in terms of you know creating conversations um we talked about you know, for a lot of families, not just Filipinos maybe, that it's still, there's still a stigma in terms of talking about it. Um. So, so maybe talk about that uh, aspect of really, Im- you know, impacting to have that conversation within the community. So what are some of your thoughts on that, you know, when it comes to how we're able to have conversations about autism, you know, as a topic and really the experience of people?
1: I'd hope that Float it can start the you know it could be the conversation starter. Like you could see that, and then you probably can say, "Oh, don't we have a cousin that's on the autism spectrum? We should probably, you know, go talk to him and uh, maybe reach out to the parents. Maybe you haven't talked to him in a while. Maybe now that the short, you see that we're human and we we're no different than you and maybe that will inspire you to go okay maybe i should go talk to cousin vinny maybe i should you know take some time out and and check in on them their that family in fact it's been great because i've been getting emails where people are like hey my nephew's on the spectrum hey my neighbor's on the spectrum hey you know and so I think now that's an opening for you to go, okay, go talk to them. (laughs) Go uh, strike up a conversation. Uh, Let's not let this be taboo. Let's not make it be weird. And maybe we can make it almost like I almost want to say, like, remember a time when like um, homosexuality and the gay community, like, it was a, a huge, huge taboo. But then you have things like Ellen on TV and, and modern family on TV that normalizes it or, or makes it, you know? So I would hope like with stories, more stories like like Float and like Loop out there that, you know, it normalizes it. Hopefully it's in the steps towards normalizing it.
0: You're absolutely right because it could pave way for, more and more conversations to to happen and you're right with the lgbt community there's so many people that i talk to now that are part of the gen z and even though we still have issues and we still have challenges i think at, at the macro level that it's uh, somewhat better than how it was you know years ago right i agree yeah and that's you know because of conversations that are happening and because of inspirations that are coming out there to encourage people to to speak up and speak out so you know i i think that's that's really why i think it's so powerful to have flowed out touching on the subject and your personal experience you know itself you know with your son alex and really your journey you know towards finding that acceptance as well and understanding is just so powerful so i think bobby I'm just going to ask you, I guess, a, a few final questions. One is a fun question. So you're into, you know, the comic book world, and we talked about, you know, some role models earlier. But who's your favorite superhero? It's it's, it's
1: the new Teen Titans. My favorite superhero is Nightwing, and okay. the funny thing is, Nightwing. Uh, has a screama sticks,
0: <laughs> and that's ours. Yes, that's- the Arnis, yeah, the uh- yeah, that's ours. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but it's weird that it's like, well, you know, he's my favorite, but I liked him when he was Robin, and then eventually he became Nightwing, and now that he's Nightwing, he's as a screama and our knee sticks, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's ours.
0: <laughs> we need to see more stories where characters are using you know, that as well. I'm working on it.
1: I'm working on it.
0: Okay. Is there anything that you can talk about in terms of, um, not not what you're working on, but maybe, you know, like dream projects or whether it's creating another Filipino story or, you know, things like that. Okay, so...
1: I am currently creating a Filipino American superhero and it's my own intellectual property, my own comic uh, that I'm doing on the side off to my own free time. I'm reclaiming our martial art. That's ours. So it's called the neighborhood legend and the main characters named Danny Reyes. So
0: who's the inspiration behind Danny Reyes?
1: We have Danny sent Dan Santos. Uh he's you know he's like Bruce Lee's um, uh, was is like one of his uh, uh, friends, and he's Filipino, and and he actually showed him a streamer and and I believe he showed him the nunchucks. Um, but Danny Inosanto's is uh, uh, is Filipino, and so when I found that out, I was like, whoa, whoa, that's awesome!
0: Is there a little bit of Bobby Rubio in? You know Danny's character as well.
1: Oh, of course. yeah, <laughs>
0: that's great. That's great to hear. So
1: I'm writing and I'm probably gonna crowdsource fund it uh, later, later later. But if you follow me on Instagram, you'll find out when all this stuff is gonna happen.
0: We'll definitely uh, support you, Bobby. So we can't wait to see that, you know, because you know, right now, I'm featuring a lot of creatives as well from the Filipino community. Um, you know, some of them are in the indie space. You know, there's a few of them that I've featured on the podcast. You know, they're developing films, you know, to really amplify the voice. So so that's what we're here for, to really support the community.
1: That's what's cool, too, is that, like, my story is going to be different from their story. I'm going to tell the Filipino-American uh, story. And that's and I'm going to tell from my perspective. and And they're going to tell it from their perspective. And we need... More Filipino stories out there from everywhere.
0: Absolutely. Cause I think, I mean, we haven't touched on this um, you know, at all. I mean, we did a little bit, but when it comes to diversity, there's many different stories and there's many different voices as well. It's not just one thing. So the more we see and hear more of our stories, I think, you know, that will represent more of, you know, all the different aspects of our culture. So
1: oh, yes, exactly. Because like I've gotten some of the complaints that I got in for from Float was that it wasn't Filipino enough. Now you hear that all the time, especially when you're Filipino American, you run into that. You're not, you don't speak Tagalog, you don't. You was I born in the Philippines? So that's my experience. I tend to get that plenty that I'm not Filipino enough, but uh, that's fine with me because that's my experience, and I and and I think that's a good thing. You know,
0: it is. It's not just one thing right? You know, the Filipino story is not just one thing. The Filipino identity is not just one thing either, right? So if you're identifying as Filipino and you have different backgrounds, which are a little bit different from mine, you know, we have to be more inclusive that we're all representing. What's your message to our Filipino, your Filipino fans, our Filipino community, you know, yeah, people out there.
1: Uh, My message is I love you
0: and um,
1: Thank you for all the support you've given me and all the inspiration you've given me. And I hope I uh, inspired you to think that you also have to go out and tell your story. Cause like what, what Mike and I just said, it's not just one perspective that needs to be told. All of us need our stories out there. There's so much more to tell and there's so much more to share. And I thank you, Mike, for, you know, for this opportunity to talk to you and Filipinos out there and, um, and yeah, and to get your perspective. Cause when I was told that, okay, this is going to be a Asian
0: experience. I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for being, yeah. For coming on the show, because to me, that's, that's what I'm trying to do as well. You know, the, the, the gay identity, the Asian identity, there's probably stereotypes of people, already thinking what that is. So I guess, you know, to your point as well, right, in terms of storytelling, you know, the your experience being Filipino uh, from San Diego and, you know, the characters on Float, right, representing an aspect of the Filipino identity. But you are such an inspiration, Bobby. So it really is a big deal, you know, in the animation world to see this film and the fact that you're working on your next project based on a Filipino character as well, it's just, it it energizes me, you know, so it's, uh, it's exciting. It's an honor to have you on. And how else can we support you, Bobby, if there's any call outs, you know, float is on YouTube for those who are outside of the US, it's on Disney Plus, you know, you have other projects that you've worked on as well that, you know, we'll be happy to support. But, you know, if there's anything else that we can do to support you, yeah, let us know.
1: I will. Just follow me on my Instagram and my socials. And then I'm pretty sure I'll be like, hey, guys, I need your help now. <laughs> so, but right now I'm actually pretty good. So, thank you.
0: That's great. Well, with that, I guess, Bobby, so we can close out the conversation and we can end the podcast. But I do want to thank you once again for being part of the show. Um, you know, congratulations on the success. And we wish you all the best and all the love from the community. So thanks, Bobby.